Hello, welcome to the Catholic Link podcast, the podcast for busy Catholics. My name is Father Rob Adams, and today I am joined by Father George Elliott. Father George, it is good to have you with us today. It is good to be here, Father Rob. I'm excited. I feel like old times. We we started way back in the day of when we were still Catholic Bites podcast. Yeah, that's hard to believe. That's right. An obscure, echoey room in the North American College in Rome. <laughs> and somehow, somehow it was still really fun and we still made like a little bit of a difference. So oh, I'll, I'll give us that much. That's awesome. <laughs> but today on this very chilly November morning, uh, we have just celebrated All Saints Day a couple days ago as of the time of recording. And I wanted to talk about saints. So if you're not familiar, I've been trying to break the podcast up into different kind of categories. So this one is about faith and doctrine and belief and all that good stuff. And so I want to talk about why we pray to saints. So Father George, if somebody asked you, why do Catholics have saints? Because non-Catholic Christians don't do that. So why do we have them? What's the big deal? Mm, yeah. So it, it kind of started as uh, an Old Testament thing, right? The On the illustrious men, right? This kind of sense of like, yeah, we had these great people that came before us. These are our heroes and we want to kind of imitate them. Um, but then with uh, with the Christians, it started to take on a, a very different character where, in the sense that, um, you know, they started asking the, the dead to pray for them. Well, the dead holy ones, um, not the sinners, um, the, the, the dead saints to, to pray for them, especially the martyrs, I think was was really where it started off at first. Yeah, yeah, that's that's I mean, we know this from like the book of Sirach, which granted is a Catholic book, but it expresses something I think that was universal that, you know, the Jews look to Abraham and Moses and and all the holy ones. I mean, some of them, the more mystical texts go even back to Adam. But there's this idea that there's a there's a there's a group of important people right in our faith. Now, I live in a super non-Catholic area and I have had a Bible verse quoted at me so many times that. I, I want to rip my hair out, not only because I'm frustrated, but actually just because of the number of times it's been quoted at me, even if I did agree, you know, yes. um, and that's I think it's in First Timothy. I don't have my Bible in front of me, but I believe it's from First Timothy. And it's where Paul says there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Yes, that's exactly the one I was thinking of. I'm here in, in East Texas, which yeah. is um, near nothing. And uh yeah, I mean, we're right in the middle of the Bible Belt as well. And gosh, we just hear that all the time. Right. And and sometimes I think Catholics, we try to, I think we make the wrong move here. I think what we try to do when we hear this Bible verse is we try to be like, oh, well, you know, uh, we're not actually uh, competing with Jesus's mediatorship because, uh, you know, Mary and stuff. So I actually want to go at this kind of another way, because I... I don't know. I think I think there there is something to that passage, but it just has to be understood. Number one, in its own context. I think number two, in the rest, the context of the rest of the New Testament. You know, that's something uh, the Pope has really called us out on, trying to make sense of Scripture as part of a whole and not just as little little uh, anchor points, right? So, first off, are you familiar what comes right after that verse? Because I don't think a lot of people who quote it are. Dang, I don't think I am either. Okay. <laughs> So I love it because what comes after that verse is Paul saying, I want everybody to pray for each other. Also pray for me. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, so what's funny about that is like, obviously Paul and the first Christians understood that we were supposed to be praying for each other. Right. 
Paul didn't say, well, what did I just tell you? You can only pray to Jesus, right? Yeah, but really just contradicted it right afterwards. That's excellent. Right. So there is a sense that like Christ's mediatorship doesn't exclude us. Mm. It, and it it can't exclude us. And I've been reading this really awesome book. It's actually by an Orthodox lady, but I think everybody should read it because it's awesome and she's friendly to Catholics. Um, the book is called uh, Mediating the Immediate God. And it, she goes into all the ways that we mediate for each other. And she got like, it's it's super cool. She talks about stuff like we wouldn't even know God if, if our parents didn't raise us in the church. Or we wouldn't even know God if we didn't have creation, right? There's a there's yeah. always a mediation. Even, even in Re- Revelation, right? We wouldn't have the scripture if people didn't write it down, if it wasn't translated for us, if the church hadn't given us the books, right? Yeah. Yeah, we wouldn't know anything if if people hadn't handed it down to us, right? Mediation is just part of knowing stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So, and she makes this really great point. And she's like, okay, now look at each other. When we pray for each other, we are mediating, right? We're standing in between God and another person. Does Does that attack Jesus's role? No, no, obviously it doesn't. But she makes this super cool point that I've I've never I've never heard anybody say before. And she says that when we pray for each other or when we ask the saints to pray for us, we are exercising the mediatorship of Jesus together for each other. Yeah. No, I love that. It makes me think actually of um kind of like the the the, the other line from St. Paul that I'm filling up in my body what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Yep. Like, well, are we are we doing something other than what Christ did? It's like, no, we're we're actually participating in what Christ did, right? We're 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 suffering in and with him. And that's why, you know, anything meritorious really is is meritorious because we're we're doing it in and through him, right? Exactly. And and salvation itself, right? Like we don't die and go to heaven and God's like, well, you're a good person. You get to come in, right? Right. <laughs> the, the way you get to heaven is God the Father looks at you and either sees his son or doesn't. Right. Right? Yeah. Like, and if if you get to heaven, it's because God the Father sees His Son in you. That's what baptism is, right? Baptism is participating in Christ's death and resurrection. The sacraments are living Christ's life, and so if we have Jesus' powers—finger quotes—Jesus' powers in us, then like, why can't we exercise His mediatorship for each other? Yeah, no, that makes total sense. So I'm wondering, like, can we? Yeah, I don't know. My my brain is going to a million different ways to kind of apply this and, and draw it all in. I mean, it seems like there's a big connection just within the liturgy and the sacraments themselves. Um, obviously, we already talked about uh, salvation off- offering of sacrifice as well. Like this this concept actually seems like something that we as Catholics, I think, largely miss. Like, I think I don't know that I could ever walk up to, um, you know, the average Catholic in the pew and just say like, hey, Tell me about being a mediator in Christ. <laughs> and yeah. they'd be like, oh, of course, this applies to everything. You know, I, I think most of them would be like, I, I have no idea. Right. And but you're you're on to something there because the saints are really this sort of or the idea of the saints, right? It's this sort of crowning moment in our in our belief about salvation itself, you know, that that mm-hmm. sal- like Catholics really believe that salvation is real and possible. Which is something I don't think we we understand because we live in such a uh, a non-Catholic framework. Not just Protestant, really. It's just kind of a non-Catholic indigenous religion that we sort of have Jesus sprinkles on top of. Um, 
But like, we forget that the goal of Christianity is not to get to heaven, right? It's to be resurrected with Christ, to be a part of the new creation, or as the Eastern Christians say, to be divinized, right? To reign with Christ in heaven. I actually like, I like the next thing this author says though, because it's something I hadn't thought of. So uh, you know why we have martyrs in our altars, right? Like the relics. Mm, can I guess? Yeah, go for it. Is it because they are part? They have participated in the the dying, the, the the crucifixion, essentially with Christ, and therefore, you know, they they are literally, you know, it's it, the altar, which is the image of of Christ. Um, the victim is, you know, that literally, like they are in the altar, just yeah. as like they are in Christ. That's that's actually really good. I had never thought of that. And 10 points. I love that. That's <laughs> not what you said, though. Well, no, I mean, so this is actually one of the weird things that Vatican II taught that a lot of people don't realize. So it's like a liturgical reform that happened in the in the 60s and 70s. So it used to be that the the every altar that was consecrated had a piece of a martyr's bone in the altar table. And Vatican II decreed that from now on, when altars were consecrated, that martyrs were still supposed to be there, but they're supposed to be under the table itself, under the mensa. Mm. And the reason for that, it's actually like way more straightforward and and simplistic. Like your explanation is awesome, <laughs> but they, <laughs> they, they're like going for much lower hanging fruit. And they say that it's because in Revelation, it says the martyrs stand under God's altar in heaven. That's right. Yeah, they're all hanging out down there. I've always kind of wondered what that actually looked like. You know, like were they little, little miniature, like a little shelf? Exactly. <laughs> they like hang out. <laughs> but so actually, I have a I have a funny story. My church learned that because we were doing like a liturgical catechesis. My parish, and uh -huh. so they we have like a little baby altar stone from the Korean War that they used to like say mass on a jeep. Cool. Yeah, it's like a little baby altar stone, and the people built like a little shelf for it under the table. So there's like our martyrs stand under our altar, which is kind of cool, but it is cool. That's pretty <laughs> um, awesome. yeah, yeah. But so, but one thing I realized when I was reading that passage of revelation was that it actually says the martyrs cry out to God, how long, right? It says they cry out how long. So what that means is the martyrs, because of the way we believe salvation is so real, the martyrs even have a role in judging the world. The saints mm -hmm. not only exercise Christ's one mediatorship for us, they exercise his judgment on the world at the end. Um, that's kind of cool, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and also it seems like it would only make sense uh, with that concept of in Christ. Yep. Right? Like, no, no, no. Christ is the the one who judges, right? Mm -hmm. um, God, um, Trinity. Um, yeah, but the martyrs are only able to do that insofar as they are you know, in Christ. They have that, that union in Christ. Yeah, but but what's really cool is that this this union with Christ is something that's very real, right? It's something that it's not a it's not like the martyrs get they just get a pass, you know, like we get to exercise judgment with Christ. We get to exercise mercy with Christ. That's why the saints prayers help us, right? They judge the world, they fight evil and sin and injustice, but they also save the church and Christians and the the elect right yeah just as you're talking it it kind of draws my mind um kind of the, the error that we so often fall into draws my mind very much back to kind of the descartes cogito ergo sum like i am utterly alone and i cannot be connected to anything and kind of in my 
oneness and aloneness separated from all things. I now, you know, seek out God and it's just this like me and God thing. But it seems that really, uh, you know, Christianity is just totally opposed to that concept. Mm -hmm. No, that's not how this works. We're, we're all deeply united um, in and through God, um, but also just kind of naturally, like you talked about, you know, even in, in creation and, you know, our parents uh, bringing us into all those things. Yeah. It's, Christianity is a very participatory religion. Um, it's, it's, it's not just that God is out there and he wants us to, to bow down, but God actually wants us to be a part of his own life. And I think we've reduced that so much to just morality and we've reduced it so much to just example, right? So maybe this, this is a good way to tie it up. You know, I think what the main thrust of kind of what I want to get across is that the saints aren't just for example, you know, that they are examples. They're good examples. If you live like Francis of Assisi, you will look like Jesus. But, <laughs> but, you know, I think a lot of people, you remember in seminary, guys try to live like St. John Vianney, right? And you're like, yes. yeah, maybe that's not what you're called to do, right? Exactly. Um, but I also find it more in a kind of a, a lack of faith. Like there are people who they don't want to talk about the saints praying for us. They want to ignore the idea of mediatorship and or they're afraid of of non-Catholics and offending them. So they just point to like Mother Teresa. And they're like, look, see, aren't we all called to love each other? And we are. But I think that we've lost something by reducing that vertical dimension of, of what the saints are. Because it lowers the, I hate to sound like a German theologian, but it, it lowers our horizons for what people are capable of and what we what we can aspire to. So yeah, it's, it's almost kind of a, a denial of really the mystical aspect of the Christian life. Exactly. Just said, you know, it's that's one of the most beautiful parts of it. Exactly. Well, this is all the time we have for today. If you want to learn more about saints, I highly encourage you to check that book out, Mediating the Immediate God. You can find that at St. Vladimir's Press. Um, they do a very good job. It's a it's a great book. Highly recommend it. But in the meantime, this has been the Catholic League podcast, podcast for busy Catholics. I want to thank Father George Elliott for coming on today. I hope that we can do a lot more of these together. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, you can head on over to catholiclink.org and you can find all of our old podcast materials, anything, lots of good Catholic stuff on there. Particularly want to put a plug out for our small group initiative that we're starting. So you can find all that information over at catholiclink.org. Until next time, my name is Father Rob Adams. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.